While plaster work was being done in an old building on Main and Walnut in Bellbrook, Ohio, contractors discovered a wonderful thing, that the waters flowing from the spring below the building not only was magnetic, but possibly healing. Tonight, we cover the medicinal history of the Magnetic Springs Hotel in Bellbrook, Ohio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another wonderful episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities presents the Hometown Haunts podcast. I am your host, Kat Cloco, and tonight with me are Christina Wald and Jen Kohler. They're in the shadows right now, but we'll be bringing them back in a little bit. First, our social media. You can find us at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter at and at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And also, we are always really looking forward to hearing your own ghost stories, your hometown history, creepy cryptids, all that good stuff. You can send them to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. And you can join our Facebook group at Hometown Haunts. And we do have a ghost story. We have a hometown haunt tonight. Jen will be sharing that at the end of our topic. So... We also are an official podcast that be, that can be heard wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to see us while we're doing this show, you can watch the video feed on YouTube. Hello, everyone. Yes, you can find us by, by searching Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities. Remember, Cincinnati is spelled C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I. For those of you who are not from the tri-state region, you can rate and review us so the other spooky lovers just like you can find us. Link, of course, is in the show notes. Our show notes are very busy. Also, I can bring Christina on to talk about our next topic because it's quite exciting. Our Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities, Trails, Trains, and Terror is back from the printers. And the digital version has gone out to all the Kickstarter backers who pre-ordered the book back in October 2021. Christina, do you have more news about that? We're waiting on a couple other little materials before we send stuff out and, and finishing everything up. But it's really exciting. We didn't expect to get it back this quickly. So, yes, you know, in a time when, you know, almost every Kickstarter that you've backed, you get a note every couple of weeks saying it's not here yet because we're waiting on... You know, X, Y, or Z, you know, fortunately, we feel really lucky that we've got it and um, we'll be mailing to people soon. Yes. So now my hands are going to get all dry from all the cardboard as you pack it oh together. Oh my goodness. It like drains all the oil out of your hands. They do. I do remember when I used to work in a mail office, we had like this, it wasn't a lotion, but it was a little sticky um, tack. To be mm -hmm. able to stick on your fingers so that you can open the mail and the paper so they also didn't dry out your digits. So uh, maybe we should invest in some of that. Yeah, that's probably a good idea because it really does drain your hands. when And, and you know, mm -hmm. I can't imagine, like, you know, people that have thousands to mail out. I mean, most people use fulfillment. If you're yeah, that, that stuff big. gets automated. We're not that big of an enterprise <laughs> We're not that yet. big. We're, 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 like, still stuffing the envelopes ourselves. So. Yes, lovingly. Um, Yes, lovingly folding is... every Gemini mailer. Yes, with yes. those really complicated <laughs> little wiggle finagle that you have to do with the comic book mailers. 
Yeah, yeah. They're really great, though. I mean, they, they keep are. The, they make the, the book very, uh, I mean, they protect anything. As a matter of fact, when I have spare ones, they're great to mail artwork out in, like when they you have commissions are. and stuff. Um, you know, it's great if they're the, if they're under that size because it really keeps them from getting, you know, yeah. the edges being bent or whatever. So yeah. it's really nice. Keep it. So, nice. yay. Yeah. Uh, and of course, this leads us to issue three. Yes, this and the new announcement is we have the lineup of topics for issue three. And what, do you want me to read them off for everyone? Oh, yes, please. All right. So our topics for the third issue of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities are the Darby Lee Cemetery in Mount St. Joseph, Ohio, the Witch Hill in Alexandria, Kentucky, the Delta Queen's resident ghost along the Ohio River, the Trenton, Trenton Hatchet Man of Trenton, Ohio. Of course, the Oxford Light in Oxford, Ohio, which we covered in a previous ex episode. And the Allendale Train Tunnel in Ellesmere, Kentucky. Those are our locations that are available for everyone. Um, this is, shall I say, our, our, our inaugural call out for artists and writers, Christina? Well, we did have one last year, so second. Yeah. All right, so I'll get into the nitty-gritty of this. If you or anyone you know is interested in participating in this year's comic anthology, proposals will open on January 19th. That is the day that this episode drops and runs until February 28th, 2022. So that's the last day of February. We're looking for those who are both an artist and writer, like myself, or artist and writer teams who live or have a connection to the Cincinnati metro area. The Cincinnati metro area, for those who may not know, contains the city of Cincinnati, northern Kentucky, southern Indiana, or the southwest Ohio region. Each proposal should be for a comic that is three to six pages in length with characters, settings, and a plot summary. Sample art is also helpful. I'm your editor. I really would like to see what I'm looking forward to. And please also link your social media accounts or portfolio. This is a paid position and we pay competitive page rates for all of our work. Uh, you can find the proposal submission on our website, which is cincycuriosities.com. So that's C-I-N-C-Y curiosities.com. Uh, and I'm looking forward to reading all of your submissions and proposals. Um, I believe we will be getting back to you by mid-March. I have unfortunately put my notebook away that would have told me exactly which date it was. I have March 28th written down. Okay, March 28th. Happy birthday, Lady Gaga. Um, <laughs> that, that will be when I'll be getting back to all the people who have... I don't want to say one positions. That's not right who are getting to participate with us with the Cincinnati cabinet of curiosities. So, yay. It's really exciting. I mean, after it, I mean, issue two, I've, I've been really excited, excited about, yes. Um, you know, the artwork and the stories are really amazing and it would be great to level up each year. Um, yeah. And people can also uh, email hometown or either of our uh web or I guess cincycuriosities.com if you want to send us we're also looking for cover artists so if anyone has a portfolio they want to submit to cincycuriosities at gmail.com uh with a link i mean don't do art specifically for it just send us a link to your portfolio to yeah, look at yeah um you can give us maybe a cv or something like that too yeah. um but we're 
uh, planning everything and it should be really exciting. Like we said, we pay the artists. We don't, you know, this is not speculative or spec mm -hmm. art. Uh, we pay in advance. And then after the Kickstarter, we pay the rest of the page rate. Um, and it's, you know, hopefully what after year five, it would be great to even collect these into a soft cover edition. Yes. Um, and there's a contract for everyone. Um, and we want the artists to be treated well. Yes. Um, this is a professional know. enterprise. Yes. Uh, we have all professional artists and writers that join our team every year. It mm -hmm. rotates. And that's what's fantastic is because we're having veteran illustrators that we already know in Cincinnati participating in this, like Kevin Necessary last year. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, then we also had new artists and writers like Inky and Aziza. Mm -hmm. So we like being able to introduce new artists to the um, promotion circuit that is comic book anthologies. <laughs> but also you can use this on your own CVs as a professional work that you've done. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's a great, great entry level. Then you know how much your page rates and how much you uh, should be paid. <laughs> good base pay. Yeah, um, I mean, they're... That, that was one of the things that was important to us doing this is that, I mean, there are a lot of projects that don't pay anything. And, yeah. and obviously those are not professional. I mean, those are more amateur kind of anthologies and stuff, but it's, it's, I think it's important that everybody get compensated for their creative efforts. Yes. We're very much artist first and artists meaning both writers and illustrators. Mm -hmm. We, we, you know, Kat and I were discussing the other day that we want a certain level of the work to be, you know, this isn't something that's, again, it's not, it's not like we're asking for free work. You know, we have no. a, we have a very high standard when Kat goes through these. So. Not, yeah. to free, not to scare anyone from submitting, but. No, but what <laughs> you can expect is me coming in once or twice a month to check in on your progress, to check on where to make sure the pages are in the template size. So they mm -hmm. your borders or your panels don't go outside of that to make sure your uh, word balloons are flowing the way they should be flowing through a page that they're reading correctly. And my brain, my dyslexic brain will find misspellings very quickly in your copy. So yeah, it, it's a, I would say we're a fairly professional group to be working with. Yes. So you get a taste of what the publishing industry is like if you're new to it and definitely submit. I love reading new proposals and meeting new artists and everything. Mm -hmm. um, moving on, we have an event in March to start promoting. <laughs> um, I don't know if you see this note right here. So I will be speaking at UC Cumming University on March 15th. Yes, the Ides of March 2022 from 6.30 to 8 p.m. And this is their continuing education. And you can literally just buy this one to attend a ticket to attend this one speed. You don't have to go through an entire semester worth of classes. But the cost is $39. It includes copies of both anthologies, though. So this is your chance to get 88 pages of pure, good Cincinnati folklore and to listen to me speak between 6.30 and 8 p.m. live in front of your face for that hour and a half. <laughs> I, I think I'm more entertaining in person than I am on the show. But that's just my opinion. Uh, yeah, the class includes ghost stories, techniques of how I find and research all the fieldwork for every single topic that we do, even for this show. And um, also 
how the process of how we take all these stories, the research we do and make them into the anthology that you all know and love and hopefully enjoy. So we will put the link in our show notes. Um, there is a very long link that I cannot read it all out right now because, oh boy. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah, it'll be in the show notes. And also, please wear a mask when you attend. I have a yet-to-be-vaccinated tiny tot at home and... Uh, I don't want to give him COVID because lung scarring, heart scarring, and brain scarring sound like terrible things. So that is my request that everyone wear a mask. <laughs> yeah. Very smart. It, it, yeah. I have a bunch of N95s now. It's mm -hmm. Everybody oh, should have a couple in their arsenal now. Oh, the world we live in. Anyway. <laughs> so those are all our fun announcements for the show today. We had quite a few. That, that took well, quite a and, bit of time. And, <laughs> and big, big announcements. Big announcements. Big, yeah. And um, I am sure we will keep saying and beating oh, that drum going, hey, these things are happening. So look forward to that. For the we next definitely six will weeks. be beating the drum. You know, mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what gets selected for the next issue. You know, who yes. knows what I will animate next time for our video. Oh, so many skeletons. Like, I love yes. those skeletons. <laughs> TikTok I, I, love those skeletons. Well, how? I, I mean, th there's no way you can draw a skeleton and not be entertaining. It's no. kind of like drawing dragons and, you know, but, you know, skulls make everything more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they so, do. But on to the main topic. Okay. So the tonight's topic is the Magnetic Springs Hotel, which I discovered from our friend, I believe, Greg Hand. And also Jeff posted something about this a while ago, I believe, as well. So... Tonight's sources are the Dayton Herald, various times through two centuries. The Dayton Daily News, again, articles from two centuries worth of newspaper clippings. The Green County Historical Society and the Bellbrook Park website. Actually, it's the Bellbrook Sugar Creek Parks District website. So, we are going to learn about medicinal healing in the 19th century and into the 20th century and 21st, I guess, but not here. Anyway, the late 19th century saw a lot of advancement in the medical field and the medical sciences, but some medicinal traditions still stuck around. And one in particular was a medical were medical bathhouses. Now, I do have a question before I get too into this. Have either of you been in a medicinal bathhouse before? Christina is nodding her head. Christina, where did you go? Sorry. It's all right. Sorry about that. I can cut the lag out. It's all right. <laughs> um, I've been to Ojo Caliente in, um, in New Mexico, which is right next to Taos. And it has, um, all, like, they have pools for all different minerals. Like, you can mm -hmm. be in the mud pool. You can be in the sulfur pool. Um, there's an iron pool. I forget. There was my my friend Vanessa and I tried out several of them. You get like a day pass and you mm -hmm. could soak in the different pools. And then I've also been to Baden Springs in Austria, oh. which had a bunch of really nice springs and got a massage and everything. Nice. I love I love hot springs and 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 especially like healing pools and stuff. Those are really fun. Yeah. Were you fully clothed or were you um, the day you were born running through them? I wore a bathing suit at both places. I'm not comfortable enough to run around naked. You would think, but no. Oh. <laughs> and now we know. So. Yes, yes, I was fully clothed. <laughs> um, although, you know, the mud, you know, you'd have to wash your bathing. Mud pools are muddy. Yeah, they are muddy. 
I mean, it's uncomfortable. Are... You think sand is bad? Mud is terrible. Europe is like in Europe. It's it's very important to like they they really are into. Uh, it seems like in the U.S. it's not as much anymore, but they're really into like getting the mud wraps and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, like if you go to Romania and they have like um, the, by the Black Sea, it's supposed to be very healing to be wrapped in the black muds there. Like they're supposed to do all sorts of things. It's supposed to be very oh, medicinal. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've been to bathhouses in Japan. So a variety of different ones. And uh, some were sulfur. Some, I know one that I went to in Hokkaido had a whole variety of water. <laughs> every single, every single spring was something different. So it seems fun. to be pretty ubiquitous in a lot of different cultures. It really is. And like one of the most famous places is Bath. England. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been to so, Bath, but I didn't go to the didn't springs. There. Bathe in Bath. Mm -hmm. I didn't bathe at yeah Bath. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I I haven't been to Bath yet. So, yeah, the, so the concept is pretty. Every, every we all understand the concept. Um, so these natural springs were very thought to be very beneficial for just bathing in and also drinking the water that came out of them, and. Uh, this is a tradition that happens in cultures all around the globe. Wherever there is warm water coming out of the earth, there is somebody or maybe a macaque soaking in it. So in many places, hotels would spring up around these natural springs and for would become vacation spots, basically, no matter where they were located. And it was for people to relax and unwind. And one such place, surprisingly enough, was in southwest Ohio in the very small village of Bell Brook. Bellbrook is adorable. I have been there. I want to take a moment, though, before we dive further into this, that there is Bellbrook, Ohio, and then there is also Magnetic Springs, Ohio, which is a different, separate village from Bellbrook. And they're 80 miles apart, about an hour and a half by driving and in different areas of the state. So Bellbrook is in the southwest and... Magnetic Springs is above Columbus in the northeast or northwest. Sorry. Uh, both of them saw their populations and, and popularity rise in the late 19th century. Uh, Magnetic Springs, though, is still kicking and working like they have for over 100 years, while Bell Brooks Inns suffered a different fight, fate. And we will find that out in a moment. Initially, the property in the northeast corner of Main and Walnut Street, back in Bellbrook, Ohio, was home to the United Presbyterian Church of Bellbrook in Sugar Creek. In 1883, the congregation moved locations and sold the property to a local builder, Andrew Bird. Bird had plans to remodel the building into an apartment, into apartments for lease, but it was during this remodel that his builders discovered something very interesting, that the water was magnetic. The story goes that a couple of laborers were working on plastering the basement and had left some of their tools to soak in a shallow well down there. When the plasterers returned the following morning for work, they discovered that all their tools had become magnetized. Well, that was pretty interesting back then, and Bird, when he became aware of the magnetized tools uh, that naturally occurred from a spring under the building, he changed plans very quickly and expanded the building into a 70-room hotel. In my mind, this was very big. It was in the shape of an L. 
and the hotel was named the Magnetic Springs Hotel in Bellbrook, Ohio. It opened later in 1883, but not without an issue, however. An article on August 29th, 1883, around the time when it opened, in the Torchlight newspaper quoted an article from the Dayton Journal saying, the visitors have consumed all the rations which the town contained, and many were unable to procure food of any sort. The Xenia Daily Gazette on September 5th, 1883, reported that the crowds continued to swell in Bellbrook, noting that the St. George Hotel, the sister hotel to the uh, Magnetic Springs, was adding several rooms and that the billiard and pool hall in town had been vacated to make room for more lodgers. For a decade, lodgers spent the summer in Bellbrook, bathing in the waters and enjoying the natural beauty of the area. It is a rather nice area of Ohio. A trolley line was built between Bellbrook, Xenia, and Dayton just to accommodate all the vacationers from around the state and from around the country and parts of Canada. To purchase water there, there was no charge for the first two gallons initially. Additional amounts cost five cents per gallon. The hotel at first charged five dollars a week for room and board for all everyone staying there. On January 1st, 1884, the rates increased, as they always do, to two dollars per day or ten dollars per week, basically doubling the price of staying there, or 25 cents a day if you're only taking part of the bath. An August 10th, 1883 newspaper article in the Xenia Semi-Weekly Gazette quoted a patron, The bathing powers of this water is wonderfully healing. A prickling sensation is experienced by the bather as soon as he enters the water, very similar to the sensation caused by a small electric battery when one is receiving a shock. No soap is needed to furnish a lather as the water itself produces the same substance. I want to know how they know what receiving a shock feels like to be able to equate the feeling. But moving on. On July 9th, 1893, catastrophe struck when the entire hotel burnt to the ground. Witnesses reported seeing a fire erupt at the hotel around 9.15 that evening and grow large enough by 10 p.m. that the flaming inferno that once was the Magnetic Springs Hotel could be seen from Dayton. The case, <laughs> sorry, the cause in the wa- was from the water tank room when a coal oil lamp exploded. Fortunately, though, the structure and all the furniture inside were a total loss, but all the guests, including the owners who lived in the hotel and the neighboring residents, were able to get out unharmed. Actually, a few trunks were even saved from the building. Bellbrook, of course, was in shock that the loss at the loss of their major resort and hotel in the area. However, they recouped pretty quickly, and the Bellbrook Inn was built about three years later. It sat across the street on the northwest corner of Maine and Walnut, but was half the size of the original hotel with a total of 30 rooms. It opened on July 27th, 1896, and quit quickly became a new vacation hotspot in town. This is also a place where a lot of the locals would have large gatherings and family reunions. And when you look through the newspaper archives for the Magnetic Springs Hotel and the Bellbrook Inn Hotel, it will just say, this family had this reunion that day, and this family had this reunion that day. And they named every single person who showed up. 
also when magnetic springs was open it would tell there were articles saying 87 patrons came and dined dinner at the magnetic springs hotel and these are the people who were there and list all 87 people and i'm like wow printing must have been a lot cheaper back then by by word because my that it just goes on for paragraphs so around 8 a.m on sunday november 25th 1906 miss eliza michi the hotel's owner arose and built a fire in the kitchen stove per usual then returned to bed until the room was warmed up because her bedroom was right next to the kitchen i totally understand what she was doing however while she was dressing she heard a crackling sound from the kitchen and hurried out to investigate only to find the kitchen stove was in flames and quickly crawling up the wall as she escaped with her granddaughter the actual vent pipe collapsed on them, but they managed to get out. A bucket brigade was called and arranged. By then, the fire had raced to the, up the side of the kitchen into the roof of the building, consuming large parts of it. But the fire managed to go slowly enough that uh, Miss Michi and her entire neighborhood collective were able to get into the building get a lot of the household goods out before they burned however she did lose all of her belongings from the old country old country is never specified in the article such as her silver diamonds and other family heirlooms there were no fire brigades in bellbrook at the time so the building was a complete loss miss meiji moved out and left the property as it was a burned out shell of a bathhouse and a couple of outbuildings very sad to see that happen twice. In 1910, the 10-acre property was purchased by Councilman Mullen of Cincinnati to be used as a summer camp, also known as his private vacation home while he was away from Cincinnati. And there, the property kind of moves in and out of different ownership until 1963. Currently, the lot at 43 North Street, where the Bellbrook Inn used to sit, is the Brookside Garage. Bellbrook Park, which is 57 North Main Street, sits where the original Magnetic Springs flowed, with a water fountain indicating where the well was. The parkland was given to the city of Bellbrook in 1963 by Evelyn Brock, thus Bellbrook Park, not Bellbrook Park, and in 2011 it was turned over to the Bellbrook Sugar Creek Parks District. The Bellbrook Historic Museum is actually located right across the street from the garage. It is a charming and wonderful museum. I encourage people to go visit it, and if you love funeral history, the Kral Funeral Museum is also located within the the Bellbrook Historical Museum. It That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it immensely. Jen, you'd love it. There's also an original lob cabin, which is also super fun to go look into. And I hear from the many articles that I read that is customary when you're in the third grade and you live in Bellbrook, Ohio, you get to go visit all of that stuff, including the park. And if you are curious, yes, the water fountain, that is where the spring was. It is now tapped into the municipal water supply. So you're getting pure Bellbrook city water when you drink from that water fountain. And that is the history of the Magnetic Springs Hotel.
So did they ever say what made the water magnetic? That just seems like it was very mineral heavy and perhaps unhealthy, ultimately. <laughs> nope. No one's ever done any scientific things. Uh, there was a mention in one of the articles. And, oh man, I should pull it up. That, uh, let me see if I can really quick. Basically, Bird was adamant that they that nothing wrong there was nothing wrong with the water um it was the statement is and this is from the dayton daily news back in 2013 when they ran an article about it they wrote the owner of the hotel which would have been bird at the time assured the people that the properties of the water did not escape after it came from the well because it was not gaseous in nature hmm. okay yeah, and this was by, from an article by Rosalie Yoakum entitled Magnetic Springs Attracted Visitors to Bellbrook, written in 2013. So um, it's not there, though, anymore. Nope, all of it is gone. Hmm. Um, the, you can find, there used to be up until, and I think I took some photos and screenshots for you, um, some of the original signage. And I know I shared earlier today some of the original advertisements for the location. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the both ends are gone now. Mm -hmm. Now, if you will go to Magnetic Springs, Ohio, they do, I do believe they have one standing in left. But uh, as for Bellbrook, nope, those are gone now. Mm -hmm. The original cement pad where the house, the Bellbrook Inn was, is now the garage that was mm -hmm. at 43 North Street. It's it seems interesting because I mean obviously the popularity of hot springs you can understand and those are usually volcanically mm -hmm. heated and like ojo caliente obviously that means hot water um, and those are springs that are heated you know yeah. by volcanic activity and of course there's lots of places in the U.S. I mean Arkansas has what is it, hot springs Arkansas or you know, oh Saratoga oh yes that York. one there's that's like famously haunted. Yeah, there's all these springs places. Oh, really? What's it famously haunted by? Yeah, um, a lot of different ghosts. Oh, mm -hmm. man. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Let me look it up. But... You know, it was a cute little town. Um, but Excuse yeah, you think my about clicking. So many... The Crescent Hotel. Ah, you, you hear all these. I mean, so many towns around the world are named after springs. Oh, yeah. Like you got Yellow Springs, Ohio. Oh, man, it made it very difficult when researching it this week. When I would just like write magnetic springs, there's magnetic springs uh, bottling company here in Ohio. Mm -hmm. There's Yellow Springs, Ohio. There's a lot of springs, and uh, a lot of people mention the word springs, especially during that time, because mm -hmm. of the medicinal healing properties of them. So um, it was interesting that these were magnetic. Usually, I hear about mineral springs being the healing mm -hmm. ones or salt springs salt lakes and stuff like that but um magnetic was a thing hmm. it kind of concerns me a lot that you could bathe in it and like the water would bubble around you i'm like is that is that supposed to happen it's clearly like there was happening there was clearly something in that water that that may not have been super safe um yeah. you know uh it seems like 
in human history, people are always looking for things that have healing properties. And mm -hmm. one wonders how much they actually healed and how much they probably made things worse. I mean, this also comes to mind, and this might be a good topic for a future show, Mammoth Cave, for a while, they used to put people that had tuberculosis there. Oh, that sounds like mm -hmm. a bad and, idea. No, I'm sure it was terrible. But it, in fact, they thought it had healing properties and put people with TB in the cave. Yeah. I know... In, in passing, in, it was mentioned in a lot of articles that rheumatoid arthritis sufferers did really well at these springs. They're nice and warm, so I could mm -hmm. see why that worked. There was one mention of the magnetic springs possibly leading to the death of somebody. Mm -hmm. I really wish I had clipped the article, but I didn't have enough coffee and I accidentally my, migrated away from it. I'll look for it again. But basically, there was a Cincinnati sheriff, I believe who uh, had bathed at Magnetic Springs Hotel and they were blaming his failing health on the magnetism of the springs and the moon becoming a new moon or a full moon and the magnetism in the body was being attracted by the moon. You can see why I did not include this originally in my research um, and that he may die because of the magnetism. Well, you know, hmm. it's interesting because people still think magnets. I mean, you can buy stuff oh. that has magnets to put on your wrists, to put yeah. on your neck. You know, somebody actually gave me one of those for Christmas saying, oh, this is supposed to be. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> is this meant to wreck my iPhone? I mean, what's... <laughs> it's meant to wipe all of your credit cards. That's what I, it's meant I guess to that's do. what it's for. I mean, but people still think like some of these things like copper and stuff have magical properties if you put them on your body or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, I got a lot of that when Wheatley was sick. I got a lot of and very well-intentioned, meaningful people trying to send me, or they did send me, medicinal cures that were homeopathic. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm sorry to inform you that cancer cannot be healed from this. I can put a crystal circle around my dog. It's going to do jack for him. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, it will just confuse him and me at the same time. It, it was, they were very well-meaning. I appreciated mm -hmm. the concern. That's where it came from, a place of concern. But as a very science-based person, which is hilarious because I see dead people. But yes, I very much believe in the power of science. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, yeah. So, similar thing. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that you know and and back in the 1800s and before then i mean probably people did feel a lot of benefit from sitting in those springs and stuff like relaxing being in the warm water and that sort of thing um although it's hard to say like some of those mineral heavy waters if they would have affected the body adversely if you use them a lot or something i don't know um you know yeah, these I days know. uh with pollution and a lot of factories putting very heavy elements and in, in the rivers and lakes um and, and thinking about fracking oh and my you, goodness. you know it's hard to say you know a lot of waters have been contaminated true 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 like uh that area does have a lot of paper mills mm -hmm. along those rivers so um yeah who knows what was in the water but this was a natural spring bubbling up Mm -hmm. And without doing the actual environmental studies, it's really impossible to say. And mm -hmm. now it's tapped into like this. They don't use the spring as a water supply. I don't want people to get confused. They just deter it. it the spring is going back down into the earth like it 
had been, and no one's done a, a study that I found to break down the water, basically. And it's been over a hundred years now, so mm-hmm. that may have changed as well. So it it who knows? This who knows? But it was an interesting point in our history here in Southwest Ohio. I know we still have the large like um, Baden Springs, I think is what it's called. And yes, yes, and that actually is supposed to be haunted. Yes, um, yeah. Somebody, somebody uh, that for a future episode, somebody actually just visited. One of our listeners visited there recently. Ooh. Sent me a bunch of photos and talked about it. So uh, perhaps this season we might be able to cover it. Someday we'll be able to visit those hotels. I know. They're beautiful uh, hotels. Well, investigating ghosts plus getting massages, pedicures, you know. But and a margarita. Yeah, investigating while we sip uh, very nice cocktails and stuff. Yes. I mean, you have to have the whole experience. Yes, the entire thing. Yes, oh, yes. Did Ghost you? Hunting. Hmm? Go, go ahead. Oh, no. No, I was just joking. Go on. Uh, did you guys ever see the movie or read the book Road to Wellville? Nope. By yeah, I T. saw C. the movie. Yeah. But uh, the book is by T.C. Boyle. And it's all about the uh, founder of Kellogg cereal and yeah. how he was a health nut. And there was all, you know, during that time, it was all about health, you know, yes. and going to this all of those getaway hotels where they would do the craziest things to be healthy. Yes. And it was a status thing. And, like the starvation um, hotel out in Seattle. Yes. Yeah. That, um, that lady killed a lot of people. Yeah, she did. <laughs> and uh, I don't think Kellogg did, but I think they were very big on enemas in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a um, very interesting but daily, book. But the daily enemas were okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know of it because... <laughs> I grew up around Kalamazoo, Michigan, which uh-huh. is where Kellogg is. So, okay. Yeah, we all knew about Kellogg and everything mm-hmm. that went on there. Yeah. Well, cornflakes were invested were invented because the, it was believed that eating red meat made people more ornery. Not ornery. Yeah. You know, exci- made horny. Yes, horny. that's the word. Um, God forbid you're horny. I know. So uh, that that like also graham crackers, I believe, were also developed as a tasteless food that was supposed to make people less, you know, frisky. So of course, they didn't put they didn't huh. put the they didn't put the sugar in graham crackers that they do today. But apparently, uh-huh. they used to be like they didn't have sugar. They're sort of a like cornflakes and 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 graham crackers are meant to be somewhat flavorless. So it reminded cardboard. me of hardtack. Yeah, yeah, it was supposed to be sustenance without emotion, I suppose. Just, uh, well, that that's no mm. fun. No. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, the tastes that make eating fun. <laughs> well, they didn't want fun. No. <laughs> that's unhealthy. God yeah. forbid. <laughs> you don't want, you don't want, I mean, you know, they're, they're unpacking Kellogg probably is an interesting um psychological exercise perhaps mm, probably i should say that the book it it is it is fiction it's Mm -hmm. not like a historical book it it but it's it's funny it's a little disturbing and really well well written yeah i I believe his brother is who started the cereal company right because he decided let's make money off this Oh God, I can't I think remember. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the health nut guy. Yeah, that he was a cereal company, right? But oh, family. okay. But yeah. he was really prominent anyway. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of reputation it got out of Michigan. Let me just say that. 
Um, but think about it, the repercussions of what was happening at the time. There was mm -hmm. so much development. You had mm -hmm. the Industrial Revolution happening. And then you also, at the same time, had a medical knowledge revolution. Mm -hmm. Going back to our episode last week about body snatching. So mm -hmm. people were feeling very uncomfortable about being alive. And what would happen to their dead people. So yeah. um, it, it's... I'm going to say just the anxiety about living has, is just a constant human thing. Well, I mm. think, I think, you know, health camps and stuff are, are, have been around for a very long time. The yes. idea of yeah. wellness and camps still happens today. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. tons of, of places people go to quote detox and yes. have, and, and yeah. so this is all part of the same sort of, thing where people are like i want to be healthy and people spend a lot of money to be and these springs were just part of that i mean they're still mm -hmm. part of that and you know the, and, and it could be what the medicinal thing that it offers is you're relaxing for a week and you know soaking in springs has to be nice you know i'm, I'm sure yeah. a lot of this stuff it was a know, social thing as well and there yeah. is some classism that goes into it as well because these are the people that could afford to go take an entire summer we're yeah. not talking about a weekend the entire yeah. summer, they would stay in this hotel and um, just take in the springs and take in. It, it's basically dirty dancing just yeah. in Hellbrook, Ohio, during the Victorian age. It, it's yeah. they they would just have fully catered dinners. It it wasn't cheap. Also, like I noted that it, they doubled the price within the first year, within the mm -hmm. first five months, mm -hmm. they doubled the price. And all these hotels were like that. Could you imagine every year for the summer, you just leave your house and go somewhere for three months? Right. I and just, then you would, of course, you'd be leaving some of your house um, staff, home house, house staff. Thank you. Did, oh, yeah. Was was the po the Poconos is where that took place, right? Dirty dancing. Pocon yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that one's the Poconos. But, um, but yeah, I think what it was 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 in a lot of those cities too, like New York City. Like even yeah. now, in summer, it gets pretty stinky. But imagine well, that's it. what the Hamptons were for. Yeah, and yeah. Then that's what Newport, get... Rhode Island, was for for everyone in Boston. Mm. Yeah, it kind of gets stinky in the summer and hot, and so people would flee if they had means. Yeah, you know, obviously, if you were not, if you didn't have means, you aren't going to your summer house. No, <laughs> right. I want it, a summer it, house on a I lake. Do. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> I just like being able to go out and sit around a fire pit at night and not worry about setting my neighbor's house on fire because the houses are very close where we live. But mm -hmm. I also like living in the city most of the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can't beat the convenience of the city, really. No. Mm -mm. But it, it would be nice to like just have that quiet Mm -hmm. it's well, what i grew up with as much yeah. as i i was saying i would like a time machine one place you probably wouldn't enjoy much with a time machine is a lot of big cities in the late 1800s early 1900s were just you could see why people didn't want to be in them in the summer they were just like a steaming pile of waste typhoid and cholera the, yeah yeah that that rancid too. Um, uh <laughs> what was it they I, and i don't have the statistic off the top of my head but they said um indoor plumbing and sanitation has added like 30 40 years to people's lives because like you mentioned typhoid and cholera and dysentery oh, wow. um, and mm -hmm. like they described chicago used to be like all dirt roads with wood on them mm -hmm. and so there was for the horses there's like 
horse manure everywhere. I mean, you could imagine in the summer it was a little whiffy. Yes. <laughs> yes. And not everyone bathed every day. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. These weren't public bathhouses. Mm -mm. These were very high-end bathhouses. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you could see why people wanted to escape the city for... Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure when that stopped. Um, it's, I mean, I, I'm... In the, was it the when did people stop leaving? I mean, people still go places for the summer, but I think in like large it was World War One. Is that what mm -hmm. kind of stopped? Yeah, because you, you had that you had the Gilded Age, so the people mm -hmm. would who had the means kept going out, mm -hmm. but that was a fewer group of people. Mm -hmm. And then you had uh, the Great Depression, which just stopped it dead in its tracks, and a lot of those places shut down, and they had the growth of route 66 and all of that because people are trying to get west and then i think really that's why in contemporary times we think going out and doing a vacation like that is very much a ritzy one percenter type of thing because those are the only people who are able to afford those types of houses mm -hmm. and really in the u.s it's one of the countries in the world that that people don't take long vacations mm -mm. um you know mm -mm. In, what was the there was the, a meme that was going around where it was talking about in Europe somebody will be like I'm going to hike in the mountains call, I'll call you back in September mm -hmm. uh, and, and you know like then this would be in June and then in um, the US they're like I'm getting my kidney removed here's my text as soon as I come out for anything <laughs> let me yeah. know if I need to do and, and uh, it, there it really is an attitude like that um, yeah. which hopefully will eventually be overcome we need to lighten up on that a little bit. Yeah, know, not, not in our lifetime, I don't think. No. I mean... Let people go off the grid for a I bit. Don't, I don't know why the U.S. is like that, where it's work first. You spend the majority of your life working. And I resent that. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, this is the country of Ford, as in the person. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So You know, everything needs to be monetized. I just yeah. want to be rich and have a summer house like Built Warm. Can I, have it? I just want a cabin. <laughs> I'm, like kidding. A <laughs> I'm like, kidding. I'm kidding. It may be heated. It may not be. <laughs> you know, my great aunt, she uh lived in uh, Kansas City and her when she married her husband, he had this rugged cabin on the Lake of the Ozarks and Ooh. it was a hunting lodge. Mm -hmm. And it had this just one it had a living room a kitchen and then it was four rooms and at the end was a bathroom okay it's just one and then they did some renovations up top they put a bedroom and stuff and it was hopefully it's still there but it was the coolest place i'd love to visit it when i could and i really hope it like it stays that way and someone doesn't just tear it down and build some piece of yeah. crap modern house on it because it's stone yeah, yeah and it's just it has sinks in each bedroom oh wow and i i just i just loved it mm -hmm. uh, really i cool. once i have, have always wanted something like that because when we would go and visit we would just sit out on the porch on the screened in porch and look at the water that's all we yep. did and talk yeah yeah my grandparents would rent um during the summertime of a cabin 
on Lake Erie and it was always a different mm-hmm. cabin. It was whatever mm-hmm. one was available. Mm-hmm. And uh, they would invite the grandkids to all stay. Oh, nice. And that was fun. I got pink eye, so that <gasps> wasn't. No. But um, the rest of the time was a blast because they had like this would be a group of cabins that were purposely for this to be rented just during the summer. Yeah. And there was a center central volleyball slash badminton court and we could play that and then um now that sounds like a fun that thing. was fun yeah, yeah. we would go search for like some people call it sea glass we call them mermaids tears like <laughs> the the bottled yeah. glass bottles yeah um, i found parts of a porcelain which had been a porcelain cup because you had the paint the blue painting still on it uh-huh. but oh, it was very much worn like the sides were worn still have that just shard of yeah. ceramics that's and... called mudlarking ah oh, mud is it really? I love yeah that. that's, that's a great name it it's people it's kind of like going out with a metal detector but you're going yeah. on the banks of rivers and waterways to dig up what you can find and i follow uh the hashtag on instagram people find the coolest things this yes. one guy found a skull they find oh. guns so much jewelry huh it's just I it's amazing. Following that. that sounds interesting. It's like yeah. I haven't found a it's body like a, yet. It's like a modern day archaeological dig. That is exactly what it, it is. is. And yeah. I think you, you, a lot of what I see, it's in uh, London or uh-huh. England. Yeah. And uh, like along the Thames. Yeah. It's I can believe a lot so of that. So cool. What the, apparently a lot of garnets are in there they find like people will have handfuls of garnets i'm like how do you find that as, tiny little as in thing? the semi-precious stone garnet yeah wow yeah. it's huh. it is so cool interesting yeah, yeah. That's, that is cool yeah no well, i just found bottle like pieces of bottles but, but no, i didn't know it was called mudlarking mudlarking i just i found out about it um georgia had mentioned it on my favorite favorite murder because she wanted to do it when they were touring over there uh, and I'm like, that so sounds it's, that, really is cool. That, is that a British term then? It's not a U.S. thing. It sounds like a British term. It, it probably. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Larking or I, having a lark too often in things. But No, I mean, could you imagine going down to the Ohio River and digging and on the banks of the river? No. Yeah, no. I mean, their it, banks are are different over there than if here. If you go mudlarking in the Ohio River, you'll come back with 11 fingers. Yeah. <laughs> or you'll sink into the mud and get stuck. I mean, there's not an easy is. way to get to it, really. No. Not unless it floods. Then it's really easy to find it. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we don't really have any banks to, like... No. Is One of uh-uh. the things I, I miss... I know we're f- drifting off the subject, but just having dogs and you would think there'd be rivers and ponds for them to play when there really aren't too many good public access points for that. Mm -mm. Like you would have up in the Northern great lakes area where you got wherever you threw a stone, there would be a lake. Yeah. And uh, a dog could go swimming in it without threat of leeches (laughs) or weird amoebas. But (laughs) anyway, that is, but a segue, oh, we have a ghost story. I know we were talking yeah. about road trips earlier. We were mm-hmm. talking about Route 66, and I think mm-hmm. this kind of fits with that. So, um, Jen, you want to read it here? I'll yeah. Here. And I just want to mention the Blue Lagoon in Iceland apparently has good medicinal 
a reason for us to go to Iceland, our international yeah. podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, the volcanic beaches. I can't yeah. wait to mudlark in a volcanic beach. Hey, that's our that's our wish. That's our oh, wish. Yeah. I want to go see those, those black beaches and take Let's pictures. Let's throw that out mm -hmm. to the universe. Okay, this is from Tish. For some reason, I read that as Trish before, but Tish. Uh, so my youngest brother loves old cars. One day, a number of years ago, he drove past a used car lot in Southern California. He noted that there weren't many people there that day. He found the owner of the lot, and the man told him he could look around and check out anything he liked. My brother saw a 1960 white Cadillac Coupe de Ville that he was interested in. Since it was a hot day, he left the driver's side door open when he got in. After he got settled in the driver's seat, he looked in the rearview mirror and saw a ghostly female figure staring back at him from the back seat. He said he began to feel faint as he knew that there really was no li living person there. He quickly got out of the vehicle, ran to his car, jumped in, and sped away. I think as would I would do, do too. <laughs> wow. I think that we would all do that. Yeah. <laughs> excellent story. Thank you for submitting that one, Tish. Oh my that gosh. Was, it was that, such a good one. That's an excellent story. Uh huh. Uh -huh. I mean, it, 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 some people are, maybe that person wanted to be seen. I mean, what's your mm -hmm. take on that cat? If oh, you saw yeah. Whomever was in that back seat definitely wanted to um, go for seen. a ride. Maybe go for a ride. Maybe that's yeah. what that ghost in person in life what like to doing because that sounds like a really fun car to be just cruising in so i hope they weren't murdered in the car i hope they weren't murdered in the car either but that's just such a good story it kind of reminds me of a hitchhiker story but mm -hmm. you he wasn't going anywhere it no. was what no. was it called it wasn't a lady in white on supernatural it it reminded me of that episode where you, you would pick up a lady hitchhiker and she'd take you back to a house and then she'd kill you. Yeah, that, I, yeah, <laughs> that was the very first. There was first, a scene in the episode, episode. Yeah, yeah, of her in the back seat and it, whatever. Yeah, it, that like the hitchhiker or a hitchhiking ghost. That's a very well-known ghost story motif, mm -hmm. and uh, where you would find an article of their clothing and they leave it in the back of their car, and then you go to the location that they had instructed to go to. And you'd find like the article of clothing on their headstone or the so many urban <laughs> you, you, you yeah. reach like the house that was where their parents lived and their one of their parents would open their the the door and you'd say, Hey, I have so and so's jacket, and they're like, That person oh, hasn't yeah. lived here in twenty five years. Yeah. Like something like that. So, and then goosebumps. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's very much a motif. But this seems to be an actual ghost. Oh, where'd where you go? That, I yeah. muted myself by accident by thwacking my microphone. Don't um, thwack your microphone. Oh, I should never thwack your microphone. <laughs> you never thwack your microphone hard either. Um, <laughs> oh, we've lost Jen. Sorry, anyway, my mind is going so, to bad places. Yes, it did. <laughs> it just dropped right into it. Uh, uh, no rolling, just a drop. Anyway, um, I can't what? remember where we were at now. Sorry. I was <laughs> well, going to say, what know. I would like to know if Tish's brother, yeah. if that was the first time he had ever seen that. I'm guessing yes. Paranormal. 
Yes. And what an experience to have. Like, I want to know what, if that changed his perspective on things or like, you know, does he I, think I, about it at night when he's half asleep and it freaks him the <laughs> heck out? And, <laughs> you know, I like to think that maybe somebody really loved that car and left yeah. some energy with it. I mean, yeah. you know, it sounds like an awesome car. Imagine driving, you know, your, your ragtop uh, Cadillac around town mm -hmm. and stuff. Perhaps somebody had a lot of really happy memories in that car. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and still Just wanted to share it. To it. Yeah. 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 No, that that's probably. Let's go positively. Let's go positively. I like going with that, that they love the car so much. They uh -huh. just wanted him to drive it off that lot and enjoy mm -hmm. it just as much as they did. As long I mean, as it's not like a Christine car and wants to kill everybody. <laughs> positive well, was, thoughts, Jen. Sorry. Positive. I, I was kind of, you know, that's kind of an interesting thought because a lot of times when we talk ghosts and stuff, you talk about trauma. But how often are, are people around just because uh, like, like, it seems like when we've gone to ghost hunting places, you have mm -hmm. families there together and stuff. How often is it that maybe there is some sort of love or, or sort of a bond that keeps people there? Not necessarily mm -hmm. malice, but no. maybe, yeah. maybe they like that place. Like you said, like one of the places we were at, they loved that house. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I would say you run into that as much as you do with the living now with families who like to be together and mm -hmm. families that like being in, home together definitely that warm feeling and you also find ghosts not to discount the ghosts and the people who like to be alone and find solace in being solid solitary and enjoy it that way so just mm -hmm. as much as you would with the living because remember the ghosts once were living so mm -hmm. well yeah. i got that feeling when we were at when, blah, 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 when we were at dodie yeah that everybody was there because they lived happy lives there yes. and they had no intention of leaving. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dead or alive, really. Right. Or if they did leave when they were alive, they came back when they were dead. Per Basically, our questions. Yeah. yeah. Very much if you've watched the movie Encanto, which mm -hmm. has just become very popular in the recent few weeks. Um, it's because it's all the songs movie. get stuck in your head. Yes, but the the way the family bond is, mm -hmm. the, discounting the magic bit, that's very much like with the Doty farm, how it felt mm -hmm. if you were on that vibe with them. It was a family who, they loved each other very much and were in everybody's lives. And you still mm -hmm. got the little sibling bickering going on, the little sniping from time to time. But generally, there was a lot of love there. I, mm -hmm. No trauma at all, except for the one guy in the barn. But yeah. he wasn't with the rest of the family. They were in the farmhouse. Yeah. So, yeah. He was with the machine, though, right? He was with the machine. Yeah, I still think mm -hmm. about him from time to time. Yeah. But that was different because so those were all uh, disparate items. Uh, right. Yeah, those were right. all yeah, housed not, there. They weren't. Yeah. They, they didn't interact with the Doty family. Exactly. So, Kat, if that had been you and you saw someone in the backseat of an old car, would you take the car out for a ride and try oh, to yeah, talk to the person? Like, Let's go. Yeah. Let's have like, an adventure. Oh, hello. Where do you want to take me? Oh, Basically okay. would have been the question I would have asked. Um, oh, like, do we cool. turn left or right? Yeah. Will this car start? Uh, how much gas is in it? Do I need to worry about an axe in the backseat? Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, mostly where, where do you want to go? Where yeah. are you? You're here trying to tell, like, you may be here wanting to go for a ride and where do you want to go? Yeah. So I think I had another experience 
Ooh, oh, tell, do tell. Yes, tell. Well, because I told you about Raindrop talking, laughing and playing with me mm-hmm. in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, I don't know, maybe last month, a few weeks ago. I was taking a nap after work and I kind of woke up and then I was starting to fall back asleep. And then all of a sudden I just heard my name in my ear. Jenny. Oh. Yeah. And then that was it. And I kind of opened my eyes and I'm like, okay. And then I went back to sleep. So mm. tell me, do you think someone's trying to get in touch with me? It sounded to me like a female voice. Okay. But I don't know if that was more just my my voice. I, I don't know. It was, it got me thinking about spirit guides again, basically. Yes. So I got two answers for you. Mm-hmm. One, this has happened to me before twice. Two, science can also explain what happened. Okay. <laughs> so Tell me both. All right. I will go with science first okay. because... I, I, I don't want to discount it. Um, basically, when we're falling asleep, our brains are misfiring in all sorts of directions. They're not misfiring. They're firing in all sorts of directions. And they can bring up both just visual, auditory, and even smells while you're trying to fall asleep. Okay. So having like the old hag syndrome can be attributed to this from time to time. Seeing things when you're just waking up or just falling asleep. Um neurologists can explain a lot of these as firings in your brain as you are transitioning between different levels of sleep. So that could have totally been what that was. It was basically your brain just remembering your name and just shouting it. Okay. Now, like I said, I had two experiences exactly what you experienced, which was in a drowsy state. I had something shout my name. So the first time was in 2010. It was in the morning and I was waking up and I had my dad the day after he died go Kate like that. (laughs) And only two people in this world call me Kate. And those are my parents. Mm -hmm. And that thing, it just hearing him shout it from what felt like the side, like the bedside of the guest room bed that I was at. I, basically rolled off and fell off the other side of the bed. It was so loud and startling. Now, like I said, in with the scientific explanation, my father had just died. This was the nickname that he called me. So it could have been my brain processing everything and mm-hmm. just, just to shock me awake after such a traumatic and difficult day, it just decided to use my father's voice to get me out of bed. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking, dad, it's 1030 in the morning. It's been a really shitty weekend. Let me sleep in. That was the train of thought I had. <laughs> but I just pulled myself together and went downstairs and made myself breakfast. So, and my mom was still in bed. So that that was the first encounter. The second encounter happened a few years later. And actually speaking of lake houses, this mm-hmm. happened at a friend's <laughs> grandparents' lake house. Okay. So, um, my friends have grandparents. <laughs> they are still with us. And they have their house. It's not a, it, they live there all year. But it is a Victorian lake house up Ooh. in Michigan in a, on a lake up there. It is very beautiful. It is just 
just a beautiful Queen Anne style house on the side of this lake. And um, yeah, very, it, it's been in the family since it was built. So for over a hundred oh, wow. years, basically. That's amazing. It is amazing. They cherish it a lot. It's oh, not going anywhere. Good. Um, so I was there for a wedding that had taken place of our friend and staying overnight in one of the, what would have been one of the kids, just one of the guest bedrooms, but it would have been one of the kids bedrooms when they were younger. And I remember I had my headphones in because when I am sharing a room with my mom, she snores really Mm. loud. So I have noise canceling headphones in and I'll just have the noise cancel on not audio music because my mom would be able to hear that and she complains. So I just have that noise counseling bit going. I had a set of headphones like these on and I heard a man on my right side go, get out. Oh my God. <laughs> and I remember shooting up in bed and I'm sharing a twin room with my mom. My mom does not sound like a man. Uh, she sounds exactly like me and or I sound exactly like her and I just looked around and I'm like I'm sorry sir but I'm not going anywhere because it's 2 a.m <laughs> and I went back to bed did you hear anything else after nope. that no nope. did you see anything I did not see anything okay see if I heard that I'd probably freak out but this was just my name right in my ear and it wasn't like yelling it wasn't malice it was just my name but I had never experienced that before Yes, it's quite shocking when you've never experienced it before. Like I yeah. said, I rolled out of bed out of shock yeah. from hearing it. And those yeah. are the only two encounters I've ever had with that. But both of them were when I and when you were in transitional sleep states. So yeah. was it hmm. paranormal? Hard to say. But I mean, good stories. I think I've just freaked out a number of our listeners with Good. Them. Yeah, that was creepy. Well, when you talk about uh it being a transitional phase could it also mm-hmm. be like you're more open to experiencing stuff that you don't usually see and that can be argued by people who are into mm-hmm. more metaphysics that mm-hmm. you're starting to either go into or arriving back from um oh leaving your body oh, oh astral projection or- yeah astral projection yeah. thank you jen Mm-hmm. And uh, thus you work able to communicate with spirits around you better. And- well, it, it made me kind of want to go um, to that place in Indy mm-hmm. and find out my spirit guides. I think we should go sometime when it we, we can. Yeah. I'd like to find too. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I don't know if that'll freak me out or not. My friend Ryan said when he went and did it, he uh, kind of found out what he needed and he goes that's enough for me yeah and i don't need to know anymore <laughs> yep i think spirit guides would be a great episode topic too yeah yes actually yeah. maybe a good one for um one of our friends later in the season yeah exactly you know exactly. i keep trying to one of these days maybe i'll convince my friend to come on and talk about her experiences because she has a lot similar to you cat mm-hmm. um and her, it was her spirit guide that was playing with me. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah, I just spirit guide tea. That's what yeah, 
or maybe I'm just more open to things now. And that may be when you start dabbling in the occult that yeah. you are now doing associated with us. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, things tend to get drawn to that. It, it's, yeah. I, one spirit medium I talked to said it's a lot like a lighthouse. Suddenly there's a beacon on mm -hmm. on the other side where it goes, I can see you. Come to me. Like that. So Yeah, um, no. Yeah, I that's when you have to be able to start putting up like just the boundaries. Walls. Like a healthy relationship. Like mm -hmm. any healthy relationship. Yeah. You set boundaries. Yeah. Well, I always think of the line for Beetlejuice where it was in the um where it said the living refuse to see the dead mm -hmm. in, the, in the hand guide yes and and i always think of that that whoever wrote that probably was into that sort of thing like medium yes. and yeah. stuff, because i think a lot of it is you refuse to see there is a well, lot yeah. of that because mm -hmm. it's hard to comprehend that and i think that's why ghost stories are always scary mm -hmm. it has to be scary because it's the unknown it can't mm -hmm. possibly be positive. Well, watching that TV know. show Ghost, I think it would be rather disconcerting to see large groups of people everywhere you were. Well, yeah, not knowing mm -hmm. if they were well, wasn't alive that or the not. point of the Ghost Whisperer was to be very comforting with the dead. Yeah, that but TV there were still some creepy things in that. I didn't watch the show. So oh. well, I was thinking Ghost, the British show and the new CBS show. Oh, that Ghost. really good. Yeah, is that uh, yeah. The, where the lady? inherits the old house yes she, yeah. yes i watched that and i thought it was really cute yeah i've been watching funny. the british one and yeah. of course like i said it's all the horrible histories people yes. and writers so it's very yes. funny which it i highly recommend funny. watching oh, horrible Histories. i think that's why i watched it because you recommended ghosts mm -hmm. yeah yeah i yeah. just watched the hbo one i haven't watched the cbs Same. one yeah the cbs one is basically the hbo one just yeah. except without the cool people from horrible histories no, but they're still a pretty decent cast. Don't, I know, I know. I love horrible not. histories. Yeah. Well, on that, <laughs> on that note, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I will just uh, take us on out of here. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on another wonderful episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities presents the Home Down Haunts podcast. I am your host, Kat Cloco, along with me, Christina Wald and Jen Kohler. You can catch up with us at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter, at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And please, please, please share your own ghost encounters or encounters with the paranormal, UFO stories, Bigfoot stories. We have to have cryptid stories at hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. Also, join us at our Facebook group, Hometown Haunts, where we hang out and talk all things strange and spooky around Cincinnati and the metro area, which is really three different states. <laughs> so until then, stay safe, stay spooky, and good night.